Welcome to the Storymakers interview series, where we rave over our favorite narratives and shine some light on the dedicated creatives who bring them to life. This series and our other platforms and channels are part of a larger mission to create an intuitive web space for storytellers from all backgrounds. Our web app will help storytellers publish custom manga, webtoons, comics, and other stories. If you'd like to learn more, please visit our website, storystorm.co. I'm Jeremy Moore, CEO of StoryStorm.co. Today, we'll be hearing from character designer, background painter, illustrator, and artistic storyteller, Sophia Navrales. In her young career, she's already worked with animation studios, art organizations, and local communities to create a diverse and engaging body of work. Hi, Sophia. Hey, how are you? I'm doing good. It's so awesome to have you um, on the show today. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. (laughs) (laughs) And you're calling it from um, the West Coast, right? Yes. I am currently in Parabellum, California, a little teeny tiny town outside of Los Angeles. Awesome. I had never heard of it. So (laughs) (laughs) people don't. It's super small. (laughs) Cool. I'm so excited to have you here. I just can't wait to get into the interview. Uh, Are you ready to go ahead and get started? Absolutely. Let's go. So you told us where you are now. Is that where you're from? And if not, could you tell us like where you're from and just your story so far? So I was born in Palmdale, California. And throughout most of my childhood, I lived in a small area called Lake Los Angeles. And then from there, I grew up, had my sick awakening when I was young. And then my family packed up and moved to Pear Blossom, and then here I am today. I went to school at Antelope Valley College and got two associates in animation, and I went to uh, California State University, Northridge, and got my bachelor's in art and animation with a 2D focus. Awesome. So West Coast your entire life? Yes. West Coast. <laughs> What can I say? <laughs> <laughs> is that, uh, do you want, is the West Coast good enough or do you want to stay there your whole life or do you have plans to travel? I'm, I'm always eager to travel. I mean, West Coast is great, but I've like, I have this like strange curiosity about what other places that aren't California look like. I'll just be talking to my fiance and be like, let's go see Utah. I just want to see what it looks like. <laughs> just like random places, you know? <laughs> Well, you know, you can see the, there's the internet and pictures. So. Yeah, but it's one thing to see the, the pictures, but like, I want to like be there for a day. Be like, let's just go. Okay, let's go. <laughs> yeah, it's a different experience. <laughs> so you spoke a little bit about your creative awakening. Could you tell us about that? You know, your inspirations, the how you got into creativity or being creative, um, how you got into being a creative? So ever since I could remember, I've just always been into drawing. I've just always loved to draw like picture books. I have like this whole box in my attic of like these little books that I used to create when I was little, just like the simplest stuff. And I was really into like cartoons and movies and all that. We weren't allowed to have video games when I was a kid. So movies and TV was just my thing. (laughs) So I was just obsessed with like every cartoon imaginable. And I would always create like little characters like that would be in those worlds, like little little character OCs, if you will, just for as long as I can remember. So you would see the things, see, you know, animated stories, uh, some like Dexter's Lab or Powerpuff Girls or something like that? Oh, and yes. You, 
you would create characters to go in that world? Oh, yeah. It was the biggest one that I probably had was in middle school. Me and my friends used to create little characters that would be in the Naruto world. (laughs) We would like come up with all these crazy adventures with all our characters. It was like the funniest thing. Oh, that's really cool, actually. Um, I saw on your website you had a some artwork from Inuyasha. So I think it's you yes. <laughs> well versed in the uh, Japanese anime. I yes. So middle school is kind of like where I started really getting into anime a lot. And it started off with Naruto. It eventually just devolved into all of Shonen Jump. And then right when I got into college, I don't know what it was, but like during finals week, I was just like, I just want to watch Inuyasha. And then it just became like a thing for like a couple of months. I was just like drawing a Yasha, watching a Yasha. I have like three or four shirts now. There's a sticker on my car. It was, it's, <laughs> it's nuts. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. I love it. <laughs> so Inuyasha Naruto, can you think of the first animated cartoon or first animated thing you saw or ever like experienced? Uh, I don't know about the first one I ever saw. Because kind of just had so many growing mm-hmm. up. But probably some of the earliest ones that I can remember were from like Nick Jr. with like Little Bear, Franklin, mm-hmm. some like Animaniacs growing up, Hysteria, and uh, Real Monsters, Rugrats, just that era. <laughs> Real Monsters is a classic. I haven't heard that in so long. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That should come back. I, should, I feel like I should be more places. It should. And a, a lot of places like push it from what I've seen, like a lot of nostalgia. Like if you've seen the the splat on Nickelodeon, they push that a lot, especially like during Halloween, mostly for the, it's a big nostalgia channel, but you know, nostalgia factor, people love it. <laughs> awesome. And, and would you say any of those works create like influenced your style artic- artistically or is it something completely different? Um, so it was a little bit of all of those, but I think the biggest influence on my style would be like Renaissance Disney, like nineties Disney. Mm-hmm. And it kind of, like the way I would kind of describe my style now would probably be like nineties Disney mixed with like Naruto. <laughs> and I think that's kind of like what it became. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. Um, what works from that Renaissance era in Disney um, stand out to you? Beauty and the Beast, and there's a few. Let's see, there's Beauty and the Beast, Little Mermaid, Pocahontas was big when I was younger. Tarzan, I really loved Tarzan growing up too. And there's one more I can't think of. Probably like Mulan or something. <laughs> I definitely can understand that. Now that I hear you say it. Um, <laughs> Your work kind of takes, if like if my age, I'm about thirty. So your work, yeah. you, know, you can always like it's almost like it takes you somewhere. You just, didn't, I didn't know quite where it took me, but then when you said '90s Disney, I was like, that's what it is. That's the place <laughs> of our brain that yeah. I couldn't think of. That's really yeah. cool. Thank you. And so you say you weren't allowed to have video games. Um, were there like live action shows or books that particularly had a heavy influence on you at all? Uh, for me, it was just mostly cartoons. We, we didn't have video games a lot because my parents just wanted us to be outside and it worked. But when we were inside, I was just always on the TV anyway. <laughs> okay. That's really cool. Are you into video games now? 
here and there. Like I play them, but I'm not very good. (laughs) (laughs) The one that I'm probably really good at like right now is probably Animal Crossing just because everyone's good at that one. (laughs) And I, I have Cuphead on my Switch too. I love it to death. But for the life of me, I can't pass like the <laughs> can't pass like the third level. It's the worst. <laughs> I just the, my fiance going here, take it. <laughs> this is a notoriously hard game. Don't sell yourself oh, short. Oh, I know. And it's great though. I love it. I even have the art book for it. <laughs> I love Cuphead too. Um, definitely an instant classic to me. Yes, absolutely. <sighs> awesome. And so you're the animation graduate. You have two associate's degrees. Uh, what, what do you like about the animation and illustration industry so far? Have any opinion of it? I just love how everyone is like super into it. I love how like free flowing it is too. Like I've been, I've been in animation classes and I've been in like in internships and whatnot, and everyone just like. Like it's professional, but it's also really familiar. It's just a group of people that just want to make something great. And I really love that. Sounds like there's a big sense of community uh, in your workplace. Oh, yeah. I especially love how like the story building process works, how everyone's just like jotting down ideas here and there. Like, what if we did this? What if we did that? No, maybe not that. Maybe yes, this. Excuse me. And it's a lot of fun. (laughs) Could you give us a sample of a typical day at work? So I'm not working in animation at the moment, but through my internship, it was COVID. So we were on a Zoom call and we would have like a lot of like different stuff, like early in our projects and just like, what if we did this? No, I don't like that. What if we did this? Yeah, maybe I like that. Like designing like a spaceship or something. And it'll just go back and forth, back and forth, but it's in like a good way. Like, you know, they make it fun. You know what I mean? Like, it's just a really fun collaborative process. Oh, I understand. (laughs) Does it get confusing at all with having so many creatives and uh, having to decide on one vision at the end? How do you balance that? Um, So at times it could, but I feel like the group that I've had really had a good sense of like what they wanted. So everyone was kind of on the same page. So there wasn't really too much of like, what's the word confusion yeah confusion so everyone was pretty much on the same page from from my experience at least there there is that like here and there from what i've told but in my experience everyone just everyone was good (laughs) that's really cool it sounds like a great team yeah (laughs) like a great environment that's um what a lot of people want definitely in their work i'm really glad you experienced that yeah thank you i'm happy to experience it too (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, are, are are there things, uh, maybe not at your workplace or your internship, are there things in the animation illustration industry that perhaps you'd like to change or address or, or you don't like? Probably how closed it is sometimes. Like it's like, it's kind of no secret that animation's like kind of hard to get into. It's kind of about who you know. And sometimes I wish that like maybe more communication would be put out when you were like applying for a project, like, especially if you're somebody who's kind of on the outside, like a lot of the times people just get jobs because they know people. But I feel like if you have a good portfolio, maybe somebody should send you an email, you know? (laughs) Other than that, you know, that's that's good. If I'm an animator 
um, say I'm on LinkedIn as an animator, where, where would I go to get a job? Where are some good places? So usually people tell you to start out at the smaller studios. And because a lot of people, animation is very competitive, especially with all the big studios with the big names. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the work from what I've told, what I've been told starts out in the smaller studios. Like you got Titmouse and then you have Skydance and then you have uh, just a bunch of different ones. Like there's this one that I reached out to not that long ago called Eric Miller who does like contract work for other studios. And then there's one I worked previously with Tiny Siren. And then the one for my internship was Animation Libation. And that's usually just how you get your experience with the smaller studios first, or even freelancing. Okay. Thanks for that. No problem. (laughs) What would you say to a, you know, uh, animation or illustration student or someone who has a natural talent or some type of illustration talent that's considering, you know, going into animation? Um, Build up your portfolio. (laughs) Number one, just always keep working at it. Like that's one thing that I'm currently working on right now is making my portfolio a little stronger. I, I have three of them, but I want to like work them all up and just figure out what you want to do. A lot of people say just only be good at one thing. And that's true for like a lot of studios. But if you're going to a smaller studio, it's pretty good to know like more than one thing because smaller studio means not a lot of people. So you can get more things done. You know what I mean? Hmm. More versatile. I'm sure they find that valuable. Oh, yeah. Are there any misconceptions about the maybe animation school, illustration school, or the industry that, you know, a layman like myself would have? Um, a lot of people think that you have to go to art school, which you don't. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like my, when I was in high school, I really wanted to go to CalArts. That's pretty much everybody's dream when you're growing up in California, going, going into animation. I want to go to CalArts. I want to go to CalArts. And CalArts is wonderful. I took a tour there and it was beautiful, amazing campus. But it was like 50K a year. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, (laughs) it was nuts. So I was, I kind of felt lost for a little bit because I'm like, well, there's no way in heck I can afford that. But then I kind of was redirected by a counselor at ABC. Oh, just go to, go to a Cal State, go to, go to just a regular university. A lot of them just have, amazing animation programs and it ended up working out because I was either going to go to Cal State Fullerton or Cal State Northridge because they both had really good programs for animation and I opted into going to Cal State Northridge because it's right in the middle of all the studios in Los Mm. Angeles (laughs) and they all come and talk and do like little uh, recruiting stuff all the time because it's like down the street so I was like no brainer. <laughs> That's great proximity. Uh, one of the benefits of being on the West Coast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and a lot of people think that there's only animation jobs on the West Coast. They're, they're in a lot of places. You just have to look for them. They're just not going to be, I mean, some of them are, but they're not always going to be like Disney, DreamWorks, Pixar, those big places. There's a lot of small studios like all around the country. Okay. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about Serenetta's family dinner, uh, the project, the team, how it come together? Yeah. So Serenetta's family dinner is actually a creation by Matt Bruno Richardson at Tiny Siren Animation. They're a little studio based out in Boston. And I've been following their work ever since like, I want to say 2013. 
where uh, they started creating, Sirenade is a series of like the, based off of the Little Mermaid where this mermaid who wants to be human and then it's more modern. So she gets to go like eat frozen yogurt, but it's also, she's a mermaid. So she has to like battle sea monsters and it's, it's a lot of fun. And um, there was two previous series for Sirenetta before I came on to the project. Uh, I'm on the latest one that they have called Sirenetta's Family Dinner. It's a short film. And it's just basically about um, Sirenetta wanting to have like a family dinner with her parent, her dad and her grandma and introduce her boyfriend, his name is Freckles, to the family, <laughs> basically. But he's a human, so he gets turned into a mermaid and they go down in the ocean. And it's a lot of fun. It's really cute. Awesome. That sounds like right up your alley with the Little Mermaid theme, you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Classic um, Disney. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. And it's super funny how me and Matt got in- acquainted because, like, again, I'd been following his projects for a while. And, like, they had, like, this little questionnaire, excuse me, on Instagram that was just like, ask us anything. So I was just like, you accepting freelance? And they were like, yeah. I was like, oh, crap. <laughs> So they had me on the project and we had a little interview about like what I could do for them, like what the project was about. And I mentioned like something really specific from their first like run of Sirenetta. There was this character named Christian that was in the first series that like never came back. So I was like, what happened to Christian? I was like, oh my gosh. (laughs) So they like ran me the little story. I don't know if you want to talk to Matt later about it, but like it, I don't know. It was just, it just clicked and we were on the project. He had me on for background design and it was a lot of fun. That sounds incredible. It's really cool when, you know, I can imagine as a creator to have someone who is potentially a fan of your work want to work with you. Yeah. And it was totally unexpected too. I was just kind of shooting my shot. Like (laughs) it ended up working and I was like, oh, sweet. I've heard other illustrators talk about the networking and capabilities of Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you feel about that platform? So I love Instagram, but sometimes they're a little funny with their algorithms. I think everyone can agree on that. Like, I believe right now they want to be like TikTok. So if you want to get traction on Instagram, you have to make reels now, which it's fine. It's cool. But for some reason, they want to make it weird where if you want to like upload a TikTok to Reels, they want to like make it weird now. I don't know the full specs of it, but it's interesting. But when I first started, it was a lot of fun. Like you get, you would post, you do the whole paragraph of hashtags and you kind of figure out like how it works. Like there's this thing that my sister told me about called Instagram primetime where you basically figure out the time of the day where the most people are on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And at the time, it was around like six o'clock. So if you post it around like six o'clock, then you would get more feedback. And ever since then, it kind of changes to where you're like, you can post six o'clock, but you got to post like really consecutively and you have to be active a lot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting and it's always changing, much like a lot of social medias. It's like a, it's a love and hate for sure. <laughs> But a lot of love, I will say. <laughs> What's your favorite platform? Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> See, and it works out because you can love something and have some critiques about it, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I have my own critiques. I know exactly what you're saying. 
I am recent. I am recently starting to like TikTok a lot though. I was against it forever. I was just like, no, I'm too old for it. I'll feel like an old person. And then I got on and then I got stuck on millennial TikTok and then Inuyash TikTok and then artist TikTok. And I was like, oh no, I love it. <laughs> yeah. and it the rest is history. <laughs> There's a lot to like on TikTok and Instagram. I know it's super appealing, especially to us. We kind of grew up with these platforms. Yes, absolutely. Certainly, you know, our spent our 20s in these platforms, like actively using them. Entire 20s. <laughs> From the moment I hit 20, I was on Instagram. <laughs> Do you remember Vine? Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Vine so much. I'm so sad that it's no longer around. But there are a few TikToks here and there that still have that Vine energy, which I really appreciate. Vine lives. <laughs> <laughs> it lives in some other way. <laughs> so you're a visual storyteller, um, you know, with your products from Serenata's Family Dinner and your illustrations and whatnot. But you could have been a storyteller. You could, you could have been a poet. You know, you could have been an author or whatnot. What, what uh, drew you into the visual world of storytelling? Um, I don't know. I guess visual has always just kind of worked for me. It's always just kind of been the way I learned. It's always been the way that's like grabbed me, made me like get into things. And I learned how to do it myself. So it was, it's, it's a great journey. <laughs> um, could you talk about how your visual learned? How did you discover that? And, and have you had any experiences where something was explained to you visually that you really resonated with? So there's a lot, um, like through school that I did, like a lot of like the softwares like that we use, like with Toon Boom. Um, what's what's the other one? Maya a little bit. I don't know if you're familiar with Autodesk Maya. I am. You use Procreate too, right? Yes, I love Procreate so much. I learned a lot of visually through Photoshop too. I like to um, save a lot of tutorials on like Pinterest and YouTube and all that mm. where people just kind of like comb through their entire process of like how they make stuff, like how to paint a cloud and it's like do the sky and then they write out everything and then like circle out all the different tools that you use. Mm. And I'll just, okay. 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 And it's like from start to finish. And those are my favorite tutorials because sometimes I'll be like, yeah, I see it. But like, how did you do it with like everything else, you know? And it's like, I don't know, like getting walked through something like that, especially like with Photoshop where everyone's trying to learn it, but it's like really hard. And it's, it was great. <laughs> I can imagine that's a lot better than, you know, reading it line for line on a, a book or a PDF. <laughs> I can't do that. Like if things <laughs> like, if something's like just written out for me, like I literally have to like read it out loud or kind of just like figure it out. Like da -da -da -da. <laughs> everybody learns different, man. I'm yeah. a visual learner myself. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but that's okay. There's nothing See, wrong with it. <laughs> you mentioned Pinterest. How do you use Pinterest as an animator or an illustrator? I have nothing but references, reference boards. I'll have like one for just like, I have this one that kind of accumulates like characters, like drawing characters, like different like inspirations for like character design. Mm. It's called character refs. And I have like all these different like pictures that people have posted with like uh, just different kinds of characters, big ones, small ones. 
people from different cultures, people of different species, like mermaid, undead, like all that, all that type of stuff. Because sometimes when you just like need to do it, you you need a reference. There's no going around to it. And I have a lot for my backgrounds too that have like buildings and villages and forests and all that stuff. And I have one that I recently created for this project that I'm trying to get started for a webcomic. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. And it's like this whole thing, which is basically witches and forests and magical schools and stuff like that. Just basically one big giant account of like different references and food. <laughs> That's awesome. You, you um, have a few food pins as well. They're mostly like pastries. <laughs> I don't know what it is. I just, I just love them. <laughs> Desserts and Pinterest, man. I don't know what it is, but it's just so appealing. I saw this one person who made this cake that looked like a tree stump. And I was just like, <laughs> can I have that? And then there was this one that made like cupcakes with that just looked like campfires. And then they have like little marshmallows on the side. I'm like, that is so cute. <laughs> yeah. Like hours, I can tell you hours and hours on Pinterest. Then. Time well spent. What can I say? <laughs> so you talked a little bit earlier about your e-commerce ventures, Redbubble and Etsy. How did they get started? Um, How did you get into that? So I had a few friends that already had Redbubble stores. And I didn't really know what it was until I kind of like took a look at it. And it was amazing for somebody who was like just starting out. Like, I, I don't know if you're listeners know about Redbubble, but it's basically just a platform where you can sell your art as like apparel or like mugs or like prints and stuff like that. And it's really easy because all you have to do is just upload the artwork and then select like how you want to sell it. Like, do you want it to be a t-shirt? Do you want to be a poster, a mug, a clock, a blanket? And it's really cool. And if you, if you know how to work it, it can be really lucrative. Do you have to house any supplies like printers or whatnot with Redbubble? No, all you do is upload your work and then you, the advertising is all on you. So all you have to do is upload your work and you just advertise it. That's really cool. You're on Etsy as well, right? Yes. I just recently uploaded an Etsy shop uh, last year, I believe. And that's where I sell mostly stickers, prints. I have one original artwork on there. And I think that's it. I think that's all I have on there. It's just stickers, prints, and original art. Are commissions open? (laughs) (laughs) They're about to be soon. So if you're interested, just hit me up. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, awesome. Yeah. Um, Is there anyone in the nation industry or electrician industry that you're keeping an eye on that you'd like to work with potentially in the future? I would really like to work with Jorge Gutierrez. Have you heard of him? Not yet. So he's the director uh, that did El Tigre and the Book of Life. And he recently started um, advertising this new project that he finished called Maya and the Three on Netflix. And if you look up his work, his stuff is so distinctive. You can, you can spot it a mile away. He's um, he's Mexican, so a lot of his stuff is based on like Mesoamerican influence, like the Mexica people, the Mayan people, and it's beautiful. <laughs> it's so beautiful, <laughs> and he has a lot of fun with his work too. 
and I, he's got like this really great energy about him and I'm, I'm dying to work with him. <laughs> well, it's happened before where you've been a fan of a work and you ended up working on it. So absolutely. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that door is open. That door is definitely open. <laughs> I'm knocking. <laughs> Let what me is, in. <laughs> what did you find out about Jorge? Um, through El Tigre. Mm-hmm. When he first put out, when him and his wife first put out El Tigre on Nickelodeon, I was just like, dang, that's a cool show. I don't know if you're familiar with it. It's I think about, I've seen something. Um, yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> it's just basically this kid named Manny who turns into El Tigre. He doesn't know if he wants to be a hero or a villain because he's got both sides on his family. And oh. it's just this constant struggle throughout the show. It's so funny. See, at the surface, you'd think, you know, Nickelodeon show, not very deep. But from what you described right there, there's a lot of, of levity and light. and just is complicated, you know, yeah. it's expressed in, in, in animation form. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And that's another thing I just love about it. Like, there's so, many, there's so much you could do with it. Like, it doesn't have to be just, like, some cute thing. Or it can if you want to. It can be something totally great, like Avatar. Or it can be just something really sweet and simple like SpongeBob, you know? It's so versatile. Wow. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, you know, with those um, Disney films you talk about, kind of early 90s films, there are so many levels if you really like dissect them. You, you can see oh. them in kind of the YouTube videos or whatnot, but YouTube, mm-hmm. like animation, illustration, sometimes you get a bad rap as being, you know, commercialized or aimed at a younger audience. That's always the stigma. But then if you actually sit down and watch it, you have a great time. <laughs> yeah, and super versatile too. What you talk about. That reminds me of this quote. I, I can't remember for the life of me who said it, but like, so I remember hearing somewhere, people look at the Mona Lisa and think of it as like the greatest artwork you've ever seen. But as soon as she starts moving around and talking, it's considered childish. And I'm like, <laughs> that wow. is so perfect <laughs> that is crazy um wow i've never heard that one before i'm gonna look that one up mm-hmm. i can't remember who said it but i just remember how much it stuck with me so <laughs> that's really cool so do you have any advice for creatives out there other creatives out there say, i wrote it down i would say to be stubborn with your craft, a lot of people are going to be telling you that it's a nowhere job, that you're not going to do anything with it. Be stubborn, be annoying about it, and just get it done. Get your portfolio done and love what you're making because a lot of the time you can be making stuff and just feel super, super hollow about it. So just, and that's okay. That's okay for some parts of it if it's your job too, but a lot of it is just you got to love what you're doing. And another quote, that I can't remember who said it, but it stuck with me. It's It says, don't compare your chapter one to someone else's chapter 24. Because there's a lot of people in the art community who like to compare themselves to the greats when they just started out. And you got to remember that everybody starts somewhere and everybody has to work hard to get to where they're at. So it's just, it's a journey and it's a fun journey if you want to stick to it, you know? I'm not an animator or illustrator, but I felt that. So, wow. (laughs) Thank you for that. Of course. (laughs) That's really cool. I've spoken with a few creatives now, and a a common theme that pops up is, you know, that tenacity. 
um, sticking to it, having that grit. Um, it seems like you've had some experiences so far where, you know, you needed some tenacity to pull through. Yeah. I actually had one recently where I was like really gung ho on my portfolio. And then just one day I kind of just stopped. And for some reason I could just, for three months, I couldn't make anything. I would try and I'm just like, why can't I do anything? And then like after that three months was up, I was like, I'm done. (laughs) Cause like, you know, you want to do something. But for some reason, you just can't do it like at that moment. You just got to still have that fire to do it. And then eventually you'll get over it. <laughs> um, I can speak to that same thing in entrepreneurship. You kind of, your well kind of runs dry. Yes. It's empty, right? And you just got to reset. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. A lot of people like freak out when that happens, but it just means you got to just slow down and calm down and just get back at it when you're ready. Good stuff. Mm-hmm. Earlier, you kind of hinted at your creative future. I want to ask you about that. You maybe talked about a web comic or web tutor or something like that. Yeah. So I've been in the process of um, creating this web comic that I want to push out kind of soon. I've written out a couple chapters. I just have to draw them. And it's, I've, I've titled it Unlikely. It's about this witch who doesn't know what she wants to do. And she gets kind of like trapped in this like melee of like people trying to like take her over to do this thing, but she doesn't want to. And then she needs the help of like a, like a monk to kind of like save her, not save her, but like help her like get back on the right track. And then they kind of have this fun adventure together of like being awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, it sounds really interesting. You know where you plan on publishing? I really want to put it on Webtoon. I actually have some concept art on my website if you want to take a look at it later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I just I have a I have some concept art about it on my Webtoon and it there's actually some little like um pieces of it in the sketchbook tab as well. That one character that pops up all the time, her name is Nora, the one with like the little cactus witch hat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's supposed to be the main character. Oh yeah, when we create your profile on Storystorm, the Storymaker size Storymakers, we're gonna definitely feature some of that content. Yeah. Those sketch covers are things that I that I want to personally show people. So I can't wait. Well, since you like them so much, maybe I'll make some friends of them. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. So be it. This has been great. Thank you so much. Um, I definitely want to leave an open invitation with you to come back potentially, so we can check in, see where you are, what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. I'd be super down for that. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And now is the time in the show where, you know, if you want to highlight anything, Instagram, Twitter, whatever, other creators, let's go ahead and tell the people where you are and where you want them to be. So if you want to follow my content, you can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, basically anywhere at Sophie Doodles. That's S-O-P-H-I-E-D-O-O-D-L-Z. And I create TikToks. I create little like how-to videos on what I like, how I made my marker pictures. I even have some like cute little videos about my plants if you're interested. And I have a lot of concept art and character designs and background art on my Instagram as well. And if you want to see all of my work encapsulated, you can go on sophiamavrolis.com. Awesome. (laughs) Thanks again. And uh, thanks to all those listening and watching wherever you are. 
Be sure to visit storystorm.co slash storymakers to listen to this interview again or in its entirety and to see what else Sophia is working on. Also, stay locked in to our social media feeds for more from the Storymaker series, free digital art, paid contests, storytelling resources, and more. All right, Sophia, so it's kind of becoming a tradition to, to give a final piece. Uh, do you mind giving a final piece with me on the count of three? Sure. Three, two, one. Peace.